Hi, everybody. Welcome to those who are joining us online here. It's good to see everyone. Um, today, I'm going to be um, doing another sermon about birds. Remember the last bird sermon I did on the on the lyre bird that can mimic anything, like literally any noise, and sound exactly like a recorded, uh, like a recording of you know crying baby or a chainsaw or whatever, and how we were kind of marveling about that. But yet, what's the point of, of amazing, uh, impressive stunts like that if they don't really feed us, you know, if they don't really make our lives better? So um, the last couple of weeks, uh, Julio has been telling us about this crow that visits him, you know, just an ordinary crow. And, uh, he says that he would sometimes feed the crow like peanuts, and I forget what else do you feed it. Just, I guess, I can't see around the corner. Anyways, he said he would feed the crow peanuts, and then the crow would bring his, would bring him things. And I'm like, are you serious? It's like, yeah. And I'm like, I wonder, if, how could that be? And um, well, he said, well, I'll show you. And so he sent some photos. And um, we're gonna show those really quick. I guess, I don't know how many things this crow would bring him, but it would like follow him around and then bring him stuff. And so this kind of inspired me um, to look into the story of Elijah, who as many of you might know, or some of you might know, were, was fed, Elijah the prophet was fed by ravens, which I, I think are almost, uh, synonymous with crows, ravens and crows, at least they're in the same family. So this is one of the items that this very thankful crow brought to Julio. Kind of reminds me of what our cat would drag over, you know, and bring to us like a dead mouse, a dead baby bird, which really makes me mad. Um, just things. And then, and then he would, Smokey, our cat would, would yowl like to make sure that we realize, oh, here's another thing that was brought. This is like Julio's front porch. Yeah. Right bones. there, bones. All like, the time though. Just what he wanted, right? And um, this was, I guess the crow's way of being thankful for the peanuts and stuff and would literally, he would know who Julio was, right? Yeah. So birds are smart. And um, like we saw with that lyre bird, they can do a lot of pretty amazing things. But this story today shows us something that goes beyond that and is, is really pretty miraculous. But how God uses ordinary, even kind of unattractive, kind of ordinary. beings to bless us. So we're going to be looking at First Kings chapter 17, which, I don't know, when's the last time you read Kings? Uh, this is actually an interesting book. You should read it. You're starting in the beginning of the Bible? Yeah. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I know someone else who just did that too. They're, they're in the book of um, Genesis still it takes a while I've been reading out loud to my dog to your dog that's, that's awesome Je um, Jessica was just saying how she started reading the Bible from 
from the beginning. And um, but you haven't gotten to First Kings yet, right? All right, this is actually a pretty long reading today, but just bear with me. And just imagine that you're back there in this story. This is a pretty cool story, really. And you could think, well, it doesn't really have to do with me, but it, it does if you think about it and if you allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on it and inspire you. So let's pray for that right now. Holy Spirit, we invite you to, to come and to inspire the reading of your word right now. And we pray that it wouldn't just be scripture in the Bible, but that it would be living word to us that brings life and brings hope when we can feel discouraged. Right, so starting with chapter one, uh, chapter 17, verse one. Now Elijah, the Tishbite of Tishbe in Gilead said to Ahab, by the way, Ahab was a leader, a very evil leader and king at that time. Um, as the Lord of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there shall be neither dew nor rain these years, except by my word. And the word of the Lord came to him. Depart from here. So God is saying this to Elijah, right? He's telling Elijah to leave. Depart from here and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith, the brook called Cherith, which is east of the Jordan. You shall drink from the brook, and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. All right, so here is where the birds come in. Kind of curious, right? So he went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and lived by the brook Cherith, that is east of the Jordan. And the ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning and bread and meat in the evening. And he drank from the brook. And after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. All right, I'm going to just pause here and... Um, so what are your what are your initial reactions about this story? What do you think about the fact that, um, well, I'll give you a little bit of background. Elijah was a prophet, a, a very famous prophet, and he was persecuted because of his words that God gave him to the king, Ahab, who was very evil and worshipped all kinds of um disgusting things and called everyone to do the same elijah was a really bold prophet and he was obedient to god's word no matter what and that caused him to have to flee so we could think that just because we're christians that we have automatic protection 24 7 right a lot of people say i'm a christian nothing's going to happen to me you know and while I, I believe that Christians do have protection as children of God, I feel like we still have to be wise and we have to follow God's word. So if God says, get up and go, we, we better do that because that means we're not safe where we are. We, I mean, we are, we are Christians, but that doesn't mean we don't have the same kind of, um, we're not, doesn't mean that we're not vulnerable like everybody else. So you know, he was told to go live in the desert. And to, even though that the whole land is being dried up, because that's what God has said will happen, that was a consequence of what happened with King Ahab. Um, the 
problem here is that Elijah, even though he's a man of God, he is suffering like everybody else in the land, not having water, not having food, but God is going to still take care of him. But how does he do it? He does it in a really strange way. I mean, he could have said, well, there's this really wealthy family over there. They have it. They have a, a guest house. They have, you know, an, an extra donkey. They have, you know, servants that will take care of you. you just go on over there and you're going to be safe for the next couple of years of drought. Because uh, there, there's drought that was predicted for years, not just like a couple of weeks, like we've, or a couple of months, like we've been having here, but like years. That's not how it worked out. It's like he was told to go into the desert and that he was going to drink from this brook and that ravens were going to feed him, which they did. So apparently God uses really strange and very humble means to take care of us. Sometimes they're almost shocking to us because we're thinking, why would God take care of me in this way? Have you ever happened, have that happen to you where you felt like God was watching out for you, but it wasn't like with glitter, bells and whistles, it was more in humble ways, like through humble people or humble circumstances? Well, this is what happened to him. And it just makes me really curious. I'm like, God could have done anything, but why did he choose to take care of Elijah this way? Well, the story goes on. It says, though, at the end that even though the ravens were bringing him meat and bread twice a day, that uh, after a while, the brook dried up because there was no rain in the land. Well, yeah, duh. I mean, it was a drought, right? But why didn't God know that and say, look, the drought's going to come. Just stay over those people. I'm going to, like, bless that household and they're just, it's going to be fine. You just, like, ride out the storm over there. Suddenly... The thing where he was called, the place that he was called to, to be a fugitive, you know, where he's because he, he was a fugitive, he was running away from someone who's trying to kill him. That that situation dried up, literally. So, like, we can think, well, where was God then? He could have thought, where was God? This this must not actually. Maybe I was mishearing God. And besides, like, who's gonna like ravens and that. Okay, well, at least the brook's dried up, so there's no, nothing to drink, even if there's food. But it says, then the word of the Lord came to him. So this is how God speaks. God speaks just like the people in our lives who, who, are, near, who are dear to us. They don't just tell us one thing that's going to last for the whole year, like, or write it down. It's like, okay, here's your instructions for this year, and then, then you don't need to talk to me anymore. God likes relationship. So... He starts out and says this one thing, and then ooh, while he's turning, he's like, now the game is the game plan is changing. So we have to be flexible. Um, one thing I want to point out too is that God had to take care of the ravens first, right? To be able to take care of Elijah. So the ravens had to be fed by God somehow, and then the ravens would feed him because they couldn't do it if they were hungry. So there must have been fat ravens. That was good to know. God has to take care of the birds. Does anybody recall a place in the Bible that talks about ravens and God takes care of them and so he'll take care of us? Well, think about that and we'll come back to it. Anyway, the word of the Lord came to Elijah again and he said, get up and go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon and, and live there. Behold, I've commanded a widow there to feed you. 
So what would you be thinking if you were Elijah? Get up and go to this place and you're gonna live over there and a widow's gonna take care of you. Well, maybe she's got a nice place, good setup. Okay, good, at least I'm not gonna be by this brook. I'm not gonna be like eating food out of the beaks of ravens anymore. I'm gonna be just eating normal food. All right, so there it said he arose and he went there. He went to Zarephath. And when he got to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her. He must have known, oh, that's the widow. That's the one. I can just tell. I, she's got the, the vibe, the one that's going to provide. She's gathering sticks. He said, bring me a little water. He's probably pretty thirsty by the time he got there. Bring me a little water to vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, oh, and by the way, bring me a little morsel of bread in your hand. I'm pretty hungry. I had a long journey. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. So what would you be thinking if you were Elijah right now? This is like, it was looking like it maybe was going to be a better arrangement than the ravens and the brook, which dried up. But he, you know, he's hungry and thirsty. He gets there. He asks for a little water and some bread. And she's like, hey, this is my last meal. This is, gonna, this is all I have. And I'm just getting these sticks so I can make some bread. And then we're going to die after that because there's no more food. I mean, after all, we're in a drought time. There's no water to make. I mean, that's it. Why would God do that? Why? Why, why, why? Have you ever been in a situation where you felt God was sending you somewhere and you get there and think, this is not, this can't be right. I must have gotten this wrong. This is just freaking weird. I'm, and this is embarrassing. Like he asks for food and she's like, tells him straight up. I, I can't. I mean, I, this is, I can't. And Elijah said to her, get this, what he says to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but first, first, make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, make some for yourself and your son. First, just, you got a little bit left. I'm fine with that. I'm really hungry. I'll be fine. Just give it to me. And then after that, if there's some leftovers, you and your son can have some. But you have to bake it again. But so. you'll be have to, yeah, just me first here. I, I'm the priority. I don't think I, I can't imagine me saying that. Although he's probably pretty hungry. But he must have been so compelled by God. I mean, he's used to hearing God's voice. God must have really convinced him that this is what he was supposed to do. And this is a very weird, weird thing. If I was God, I probably wouldn't have done it this way, but I'm not God. So we're learning some stuff about God that's quite, uh, quite surprising, right? So this is what Elijah continues to say. Are you, are you following? Are you in your Bibles? In the skinny ones, it's page 274. And in the, the, um, the older Bibles, the fatter ones, I don't know. But anyway, we're on chapter 17. First Kings 17, and now we're down to verse 14. So Elijah continues. First he says, hey, don't worry. Don't be afraid. Do as you said, but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me. And afterwards, 
make something for yourself and your sons. For thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent and the jug of oil shall not be empty until the day that the Lord sends rain upon the earth. Well, we know there's going to be several years of drought. So that means he's telling this woman, just don't worry. Don't be afraid. Make the cake for me first. And in doing that, you're, you're going to have cake for, you know, bread for until it rains again. So don't, no worries. What would you be thinking if you were the widow? Would you think, okay, I'll do that. I mean, you might. Maybe he was quite convincing. Maybe the word of the Lord was so powerful that faith came into this lady. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened because that's exactly what she did. And she went and did as Elijah said. So she must something like some kind of faith rose up in her to, to be able to sacrifice her last little bit for this prophet guy, this random guy she never met. And she and her household ate for many days. That's very cool. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that he spoke by Elijah. That is amazing. If you have been provided for in ways that you can't explain normally, um, you can see that this does happen. Maybe it's not like a jug of oil that literally doesn't run out, but it could be provision that just keeps coming. You don't know how you manage to make your bills, how you manage to you know, make ends meet, but somehow it's happening. And it's because God himself is taking care of you, even in hard times. Okay, so we're, we have, just have a little bit more to read, but this is a cool story. It doesn't end here. It, you know, the drama increases, actually. The plot thickens. After this, the son of the woman, the mistress of the house, the, the owner of the house, became ill. So that son that, you know, just had the meals and stuff, little guy, he got sick, and his illness was so severe that there was no breath in him. In other words, dead. I mean, if there's no breath, I don't know how he could be alive. I think that's another way of saying he died, I think, or passed out. I don't know. But anyway, and the woman said to Elijah, what have you against me? Oh, man of God, you have come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and cause the death of my son. So she's thinking, my son died. It must have been because I did something bad. So she knew she'd sin, like all of us knew. Don't we sometimes think that when bad things happen, it's, it must be because we did something bad? We must deserve it. We must not be, you know, getting close to God enough. We must not be generous enough. We must, you know, we did that thing that we hid and blah, blah, blah. We didn't do the thing that God wanted us to do. Anyway, whatever sin it was, she felt like it caught up with her. And that's why her son died even though she was promised, even though she still had the oil and the flour that's, you know, it's like continuous. This is a really weird story, I have to say. And he said to her, give me your son. And he took the boy from her arms and carried him up to the upper chamber where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. So I guess there was a guest room there. That was cool. But now he's got this dead kid. Now, how would you be feeling if you're Elijah? 
I mean, just because you're a prophet, just because you hear the word of the Lord, doesn't mean the path is going to always be just perfectly straight. It might take some turns. You might think you heard wrong. The plan changes. It was now it's plan B. First it was plan A. You're going to live by the brook. And then you're going to, okay, now you're going to go over here. Oh, that, that cool thing happened, all these miracles. But now this kid is dead. I mean, what's the point? This kid dies. So how can any of the other stuff matter? Right? At least that's how I'd feel. If I was like a visiting missionary and the household, you know, there was a kid that died as a result of my visit, I'd feel terrible. I'm like, who cares if the food is still going? But if the kid is gone, you know, what's, what's the point? And it says, then Elijah cried to the Lord, oh, Lord, my God, have you brought calamity even upon the widow with whom I sojourn by killing her son? So does this sound familiar? Have any of you prayed a prayer like that? Here's Elijah the prophet. And even Elijah the prophet is kind of like the widow. He's thinking, I must have screwed up somewhere. Just like the, the widow was thinking, man, I must have screwed up somewhere. My sin is catching up for me. That's why my son is dead. He's thinking, God, why did you bring me here? What, what, just to bring calamity on me and starts blaming God, right? It's horrible. It's embarrassing. It's, it's humiliating. It's scary. And he's got this dead boy in his arms. What would you do at that point? Well, it doesn't say that he asked God what to do. He just got upset with God. He said, why have you brought this calamity on me? But then, on the other hand, he went and he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried to the Lord. Cried. Oh, God. Oh, Lord, my God. Let this child's life come into him again. This thing is knocking. Sorry. So he's like, why did you do this, God? But yet he ventures out with a little faith and he lays his body on top of the little boy's body. I guess he's thinking, I'm just going to breathe my breath into him somehow. And God, let this work. God's not giving him a plan at this point. He was giving him plans, specific goals by the brook, this and this and this and the da da da. But at this point, when you've got a major problem, there's no word from God saying, go do that, just came into his head. I mean, I think that sometimes things come in our head and it could be from God, or maybe it's just our idea, but what happens? Well, in this case, God goes with it. He goes with the plan, because look what happens. It says, and the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. Well, Elijah's been listening to the voice of the Lord this whole time. What do you make of this? I just think this is so cool. Like it's one of the coolest, shortest, coolest scriptures in the entire Bible that I just realized at this second that I said it. And the Lord listened to the voice of Elijah. Guess what? Your voice matters to God enough to bring life where there's death. Can you, do you believe that? Do you believe that even in a case where you feel like God has let you down, you're, you're hung, you're like so distraught, you're so upset, you're so freaked out, actually, and there's no plan, you don't hear any like booming voice, you should do this, you just have an idea, you go with it, you experiment with something kind of weird, and God listens, I think we should try this kind of thing, I think that we should 
go for stuff like this when we're in a situation and we we act like children of God because actually God has given us authority over death. I mean, he says to his disciples, you cast out the demons, you heal the sick, you raise the dead. That's what Jesus told his disciples. But this is before that. And apparently the Holy Spirit was still moving back in the Old Testament, you know, right? We have visions of, of this as kind of a, you know, kind of a, a trailer to the New Testament when Jesus shows up. It's like a beautiful introduction to get, to get us realizing that God has always been with his people and he always will, no matter how bad things are. And right now, some of us are really experiencing bad things. We've been crying out for a long time. Maybe we feel like we've been in a drought for three years and we feel like, okay, well, we're suffering for the sins of other people because that drought was not due to Elijah. That was due to the sins of people who are like worshiping other gods and stuff like that. They were totally messed up. But yet Elijah had to suffer along with people. But at the same time, God um, directs his paths, even as a fugitive running away. He didn't just stand there saying, well, I'm a prophet. They're not going to touch me because I got the power of God. He's like, I better run because God's telling me to run. Sometimes we're told to run. Sometimes we're told to go change the direction. Go here. Oh, now go here. The brook dried up. Yeah, I know it dried up. I didn't make it dry up, it just dried up. Now we're gonna go here. Who knows, maybe Ahab was getting closer to that region and he wanted, but why would he bring him to this widow? Why? Because God's vision is bigger than ours. He actually wanted to bring more people into this whole beautiful miracle story, like life in the midst of hopelessness. I mean, how much, how much more hopeless could you get you know, in this situation? And some of us, suffer this way and we're still not seeing the whys why it happens or where god's moving but we know from this that god still calls us to take a risk and do something crazy that might come to our head creative and crazy and that's what he did and it says so the lord listened to the voice of elijah just want to say that one more time because it's so cool and the lord listened to my voice Wow, the Lord listened to your voice when you cried out. And the life of the child came into him again. So the life was gone. In other words, he was dead. This is a resurrection story in the Old Testament in a very nasty, horrible drought desert. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and then the word of Elijah came to the Lord. That's how it works. That's how miracles happen. Isn't it beautiful? And he revived. The kid's life came back into him. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper chamber into the house and delivered him to his mother. How would you be feeling now if you were Elijah? Okay. No, probably not that. He'd probably just be like so relieved, like overflowing with joy because he knew there's no way that could happen without God's intervention. It wasn't his amazing talent. He didn't blow air into the, it wasn't like CPR. The kid had already been dead. I don't think he was doing CPR. I don't. I think because it says in here that the, the life came back into him and it was God's doing. He listened to Elijah and that's why. God listened to Elijah. And Elijah said, see, your son lives. Like with all this confidence, but before he was like, 
God, why did you do this? Ah, see, your son lives. I knew it all along. I never doubted for a moment. And, and the woman said to Elijah, now I know that you are a man of God and that the word of the Lord is in your mouth is true. So that's the end of chapter 17, but I encourage you to read chapter 18 because the plot continues to thicken and it gets really, really interesting where there's this contest between um, Ahab's prophets, you know, the prophets of Baal who were like these like fake prophets and, and Elijah has a contest with just him and, and the Lord and all these prophets. And just read chapter 18, it's really amazing. You gotta go home and read it. There'll be a, so the plot thickens and thickens and Elijah doesn't just live happily ever after. He's still really living as a fugitive. He's living on the edge, but it's like high adventure. It's like extreme adventure. And I think we are all wired for this kind of extreme adventure when God is empowering us and protecting us. But it's like at any second, you know, at all turns, Elijah feels like he could be toast, you know, and that's kind of how it is with the Christian life. So let's just turn really quick to Luke. I think it's 1224. I forgot. Yeah, 1224. Just to recall one more time. The words of Jesus, New Testament, where are the ravens come back up again as a subject. Now, they're not the most beautiful birds. Like if I were going to send, if I were God to send a bird, I would send something more beautiful. Like, you know, the one that brought the olive leaf to Noah, like a beautiful white dove. Do you remember, though, in that same story before we go here to Luke, do you remember which, what kind of bird um, Noah sent out first to see if, the, if there was dry land? Like how, how if they were close to dry land? If you've been reading, I don't know if you got that far, Jessica, in Genesis, but if you were there, it was a raven. Yes, ma'am. And I think Bob said that in this, he looked it up because I asked him. He looked it up in, in Hebrew, and it's the same word as crow. Is it raven or crow? And it just kind of got me thinking. It's this really kind of annoying bird that, caw, caw, you know, it's just a black bird. You know, it's not a beautiful dove. It's not an eagle. It's, a, it's just a common, annoying, kind of loud bird. And he uses that bird to go out to find out if there's dry land. And guess what? The raven doesn't come back, so he knows, okay, there is, there's no more dry land. And then the second time he sends a dove. What's that? Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking to me. All right, uh, so we're going over to Luke 12. That was just kind of a little piece of trivia that I thought was cool. Luke 12, 24. So I think Jesus picks up this whole theme of worry and anxiety, which we can all feel. You don't have to be a prophet to feel that, but you know, even people who are like so completely uh, focused on God can have anxiety, like Elijah. You can have anxiety, I can have anxiety. It's totally normal, it's the thing. That's why Jesus had to talk about it. He addressed that problem. In, in Luke 12, 24, he says, to his disciples, wait, let's back up to 22. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body or what you will put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. 
to think about food, clothing, water, sometimes the basics. Consider the ravens. They neither sow, that means they don't plant, they don't plant things, and they don't harvest or reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to your span of life? If then you are not able to do such a small thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? And it goes on to talk about the flowers, and they don't, they don't work either, but yet God throws them. So he just says, don't, don't worry, you know, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So I just want to leave you with that, with those words, fear not. We come into situations where we're in pain in our body, like right now, I'm thinking, how long can I keep standing this pain? And I know some of the others of you too are struggling with pain. We wanna pray for people who are struggling with pain. Um, maybe you're struggling with pain in your heart from a relationship or disappointment or fear, or like just not being able to, not the thing that you've been hoping for for so long just is not, coming about you know but it says fear not little flock jesus says for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom in other words the kingdom is is everything it's where god dwells god wants to give us all that we need you know to be able to not just have our needs met but to live life to its fullest better than we can even ask or imagine okay so let's, um, there's a few, there's a, I know there's a few prayer requests. I know that Julio asked if we could pray for him. Um, he is struggling with some pain and, um, and an infection, but it's not contagious or anything. He just has some pain and he would like us to pray for him. So let's do that. We could extend a hand to Julio right now. Let's pray. So Jesus, we thank you that even in the midst of our pain, that we can cry out to you and our fear and we just release the power of the Holy Spirit to hover over Julio and to release him of that pain and that infection and we just rebuke that and just the ways that the, the enemy has tried to discourage him in Jesus name amen and anybody else want any specific prayer for pain or sickness for Jason Brooks. Jason Brooks. He's better, but he's ready for Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Jason Brooks, Lord, we know that the distance is not is not a barrier for you. That we can pray for Jason right now. And it, it's as if he were just here. So we release the power of the Holy Spirit to hover over Jason, just like it did over those waters of dark waters at the time of creation. And we just say, let there be light. Let, their, let those stormy waters calm down in Jason's body and bring norm, normalcy and balance and healing to Jason's body and just lift him out of despair if he's suffering and kind of worrying, like, how much longer can I do this? And we just pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Anyone else? All right. Anna has been struggling with a headache for a while. So yes, we also um, lift you up, Anna. Just like um, the just like um, 
Elijah lifted up this child and, and just say, be lifted out of that, that pain, just rebuke that headache and just pray for balance in your body and whatever's causing that headache to um, just to come under the mighty name of Jesus, because that name is the name above all names that every, that every knee should bow and every tongue could, should confess that only Jesus is Lord. That headache is not going to control your life. And those things, God, that are feeling like they're, they're controlling our lives, those things that we've been living with for too long, we just take authority in our own bodies. If you want to put a hand where you're feeling pain or where you've just been having chronic you know, discomfort, it's not too late. And God hears our voices, but we do have an enemy that, that puts barriers up for us to receive. So Jesus, we just ask that you would take down our our distrust or our lack of belief that we could receive a touch from you today. And um, I just release healing over, over this little flock and over myself included in the flock. And for those, our loved ones that we lift up to you that feel like they're part of our body as well, we just lift them up to you right now, Jesus. And we're, we're praying for miracles today. And, and that we would be able to say, see, there's breakthrough, even in the midst of hard times, dry times, scary times. In Jesus' name, amen. Anybody else before we... Going to community. Anybody else? Yeah, so we lift up Bob right now as he's over in the UK just for his jet lag and just that he would um, thank you that when he was discouraged today and praying to you that you brought an answer immediately to him. It was really cool. He was really discouraged and somebody came right up to him when he was praying, God, please take away this discouragement, show me that you're here and show me what, what I'm supposed to be doing. And someone came right over and thank you for that. And just pray that you would keep him safe over there and help him to have sleep. In Jesus name, amen.